Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business. They'll take care of your insurance needs. Maybe they can save you money. They'll find out any way they can. Maybe even it's in a bundle. They'll do it. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 and Hummel's Wharf. Play-by-play, call the day. Tis the law finishes Authentic second. Authentic and John Velasquez have the lead as they come down to the 16th ball. Tis the law still trying to get them. Authentic, tis the law. Here's the buyer. Authentic has won the Kentucky Derby. Authentic looked like it was running sideways most of the time. <laughs> they tried to knock down Bob Baffert in the winner's circle. But when you got Bob Baffert and Johnny Velasquez, Johnny V, it's a pretty good combination. But again, it's not called a trainer or a jockey race. It's called a horse race. Authentic wins it, holding him off at the end. How about that? All right. Uh, Lou Brock, by the way, I'll get to... Neil Kulong in a second here. Lou Brock passed away. What a player Lou Brock was. Oh, my goodness. Many of you didn't get a chance to watch him. He affected the game so much. His speed, knowledge, good defensive ability always seemed to come up big in big moments. He had 12 hits in the 1967 World Series when they beat the Red Sox. And then the next year when they lost to the Tigers, he got 13 hits. He had 25 hits in 14 World Series games. And he was also on that 64 Cardinals team that won, beat the Yankees. Stolen bases, hit with some power, and everyone says a class act. Lou Brock was 81 years old. What a player he was. And you know, To the younger generation, you missed out on seeing one of the greats. He was some player. All right, uh, time now to bring in the past vice president of the Duck Hodges Fan Club, who joins us now from Pittsburgh, and that is Neil Kulon. Yeah, it's good to be here as always. I uh, I, I rescinded that position. Um, it was given to me initially only because I, I think I was the only one in the media who even knew who he was. True. And the reason I knew who Devlin Duck Hodges was is because he won – the Walter Payton Award at the FCS level, yeah, which you know, uh, which is the top offensive player, uh, essentially their Heisman, um, over one Easton Stick of North Dakota State. Yes, and I can confirm today that Easton Stick is still on a fifty-three man roster, 
and Devlin Hodges is not. So it's a it's a win in Bisonville, and maybe not so much of a great, fairly indifferent thing for Steeler Nation. Yeah. So um, they brought back Josh Dobbs. Uh, and look, I give this is why I give Josh Dobbs a lot of credit. Literally, if he wanted to get a job at NASA tomorrow, he could. All right, aerospace engineer. He's done an internship there. He get a job at NASA tomorrow. He wants to keep playing football, and it's not going to take the Steelers much to look at him and say, "Hey, do you know the system?" He knows. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in Dobbs uh, as from a player perspective. He's a guy who's been in there, and I think if if we can see anything between the lines from the Steelers, the way that they're approaching the season is it, it's we want the guys that we know. They really didn't get a whole get rid of a whole lot of guys that knew the team well. The, the cuts really weren't all that surprising. Um, it, it, overall, it, they wanted internal knowledge because I, I really feel like they're preparing uh, to a large degree that they're going to lose guys. And I think every team is, but the right. Steelers are, are going to prioritize the ones that they know uh, you know, above anybody else. And they, they even, Colbert even said um, just recently, it's not today, uh, it, they're not looking to draft anybody who doesn't play in 2020. They, they want the most current information that they can get. Uh, their, their undrafted free agent list wasn't as big as it was because they went out and signed a bunch of XFL players because they just watched him play. So I, I think with Dobbs, there certainly is a level of familiarity. And you're, you're looking at a situation where, if, if you're honest about it, the only reason, all jokes aside, the only reason that Hodges was on the team as a third quarterback last year is because Jacksonville offered a fifth-round pick for Josh Dobbs. That's right. Um, if, if Dobbs is your third quarterback and somebody's giving you a fifth-round pick for it, you take that deal, especially when you find out very quickly into the season you need a starting-level tight end, so you need to send a fifth-round pick to, to Seattle to pick up Nick Vanette. Um, all kinds of things didn't go the way they should have last season. Uh, Hodges being on the field certainly was one of them. They would have been much more comfortable with, with Dobbs, and uh, when the opportunity arose, they, they made sure they were able to get that. A, a smart move, an aggressive move, and one that really fits in uh, with kind of the motif the Steelers are trying to paint this season. All right. How good can they be? I mean, nobody knows about anybody, really, except looking at who the returning starters are. So how good could the Steelers be? It, it's so it, – this is such an interesting question. And I'm, I'm finding myself getting more and more excited about the, the start of the season because, I mean, it, it, they're pumping in crowd noise. But you have to look at it like this, too. These guys haven't played in front of, like – you know, fake fans or no fans, probably since they were in junior high. I mean, right. the game is different if there's not a crowd there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what anybody says. You're going to notice a difference. It took baseball a little bit to kind of pick up and, and figure out what's going on. You had more games, obviously a much more shortened season uh, in baseball. But in football, you don't have very many games to, to be able to prove anything. So you don't have any time to kind of figure that out. And I, it just goes to what I was saying before, too. I think the Steelers really want to take guys who they know and they can get a certain level of expectation from because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know about. Um, based on talent, based on my gut, and maybe this is just the start of the season is coming, I, I might lean more toward this more often than not. I think the Steelers are, are an 11-win team, if not a 12-win mm-hmm. team. I, I think they have... Uh, the pieces together that they need, and more than anything, I think 
the 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 dumpster fire of a couple of years ago has it, it subsided. It had to be worked past last year, so we're really look, looking at the two steps forward uh, based off of the one step back that they had to take when Antonio Brown did whatever he did, when they couldn't sign Le'Veon Bell, when Ben got hurt. All these things made them stronger internally um, than, than they were. And I think now we're going to see the talent. I, I've said this a couple times before. People don't understand how good of a receiver Deontay Johnson is already in his mm-hmm. career. Um, he's, he's running routes better than guys that are in the league five, five years longer than him. Uh, he's athletic enough to be able to make plays. The fact that he's wide open every time he catches the ball isn't an accident. It isn't the defense forgetting about him. Well, I guess Miami did that one game, but that's Miami. That's a different story. Right. For the most part, he, he is a high-level player. He's a guy that you, you're going to expect 150 targets from this season, and he's going to make plays. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has done nothing but perform when he had another receiver around him, when he had a, an NFL-level quarterback throwing him the ball. He, he's going to make plays. Uh, their offensive line is going to be good enough to be able to protect a quarterback who's got plenty of reason to get rid of the ball probably a lot faster. But it, it's a quarterback who knows the game inside and out. He's never not been good. Um, you're, you're hearing rave reviews out of him from camp, and granted, to, to some degree, you have to you know meter those expectations because that's what they have to say. But it, it, there's a sense about it that really feels like it's legitimate, and this team is going to get a, a much better offensive uh, you know, a much higher level of offensive production than they got last season, and their defense didn't lose anything but a very good twelve to fourteen play a game defensive right. lineman. So really, uh, you know, I, it, it's hard to say flat out that any team could really just beat the Steelers without a problem. I, I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, they're they're going to be competitive. I, I see them winning eleven games in probably the most improved division in football and in my opinion, the epicenter of the, the tougher conference. The AFC North is going to be a meat grinder, and the AFC in general is really good. So 11-5 and five, it, with an AFC North schedule, I think is going to be a very, very good football team. Cam uh, Hayward gets a contract extension out of this. Um, now, you know, you have to earn, you know, there are incentives and so forth built into this. But what has he meant to this to this football team over the last few years this is the thing to look at with cam hayward i I think history um can be pretty brutal on guys like him because he's the one who hasn't won anything you know that the the defensive stalwarts the captains of the steelers they have an aura around them when they won a super bowl when they didn't they're just kind of like yeah they were good i remember him and you know great great job by him They're, they're not really putting him in that upper echelon uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think Cam Newton, or <laughs> Cam Hayward is probably the best uh, defensive player who has not won a Super Bowl for the he, he is a pro, or, or he played is, in a Super th- Bowl. This is a pro's pro. I mean, this is no guy. Yeah, that I mean, is a pro's pro that everybody would want to have it on their team. Hayward is, is not only their unquestioned uh, defensive leader and stalwart, He's a much better player than he's given credit for. Yeah. And I think that contract extension really goes to show that the Steelers didn't underrate him at all. Um, he plays multiple positions across the line. This is why he has, he's not only making one, you know, he's not being named a one all pro team. He's being named to both of them at different positions. That's how good he is. That's how mm-hmm. versatile he is. Uh, in my opinion, I think he got robbed for all decade. I think he was an all decade level player, certainly in comparison to the guys they put on there. I think he belongs in that conversation. Um, he, 
he's a phenomenal football player, and he has been. And to me, he's not showing any level of, of slowing down at all. Um, you're going to get another all-pro type of season out of him. And when you put Stephon to it, uh, you know, in, in the same line and or next to him, depending on what they're doing, it, it, Tua, it's a guy that had he was on pace to have a, a huge breakout season last year. Tua was unstoppable until he got hurt. He was he was really really good. Uh, you put the two of them together with the improving rest of the the front seven that they have. This is the best defense in football, talent wise. I, I think we're going to see that. But make no mistake about it. Everything you want to say about Minka Fitzpatrick, he's a phenomenal talent as well. Yep. Cam Hayward's the heart and soul of that defense, and everything is going to start with his ability to dictate the terms to the to the opposing offense what they're going to be able to, to do and he's been he's been doing it for close to a decade now um that'll be the smartest deal they made this offseason locking him up and making sure he's not going somewhere else because uh he'd be the highest priced non-quarterback on on the market in march if he got away Ben Roethlisberger obviously is the centerpiece to any success they're going to have out of this if you talk about 11 wins he has to be a part of that how, how important is it for you, Neil, to see how he is after two games? In other words, play a game because you know you might be sore after that. You haven't played in, played in a year. Uh, you're rusty after years. So, like going into game three, what do you hope to see out of him? I, you know, I'll I'll even cut that down. I I think, and I, these these are some bold predictions, but I I think the Ben Roethlisberger we know is beyond chomping at the bit to get out there on Monday night. And the Ben Roethlisberger, we know, when he gets a lead, the only thing that's on his mind is increasing that lead. Right. So I'll say this. If they get up 10 rip, if they're up 17 rip, something like that, he's going to make one of his Ben-like throws into triple coverage 60 yards down the field because he wants another touchdown, and it doesn't matter if he turns it over. It's just a long punt right. against an offense that isn't moving the ball. If we see that in week one, you know that you have Ben back. If we see him not really trying to get the ball down the field, not pushing it into anything, there's something a little bit off. Whether that's Ben, whether that's a, a strategic decision, it, it, it remains to be seen. We'll, we'll know it when we see it, though. And I'm willing to bet next week when we talk, we're going to be talking about that simply because that's Ben. That's Ben when he is at his highest level in terms of confidence. That's just him as a player. I mean, he, you right. know, keep in mind, when, when his elbow finally gave way, when he finally couldn't throw anymore, it was a 40-yard pass down the field. He wasn't right. flicking a screen pass. Right. You know? yeah. He was hurt the whole time, but that's the one that did it in. Um, when he goes back out there, I wouldn't be surprised knowing Ben, first one or two plays he's not throwing deep. He's going to want to send a message right away. Um, I, I Just for the record, I love the Steelers minus five and a half against the Giants. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think this is going to get pretty bloody. What can Ben mean to the running game? I think the, the presence of a quarterback uh, who can throw the ball down the field freezes your safety. And you don't have it, – it might not be the smartest thing in the world to, to cheat up, to try to jump into a lane and, and, and cut a running back down. It, it's buying your runner a little bit more time, mm-hmm. buying your line a little bit more time to create yep. one more crease that they can see hit and go. Uh, that's the way the Steelers run the football. Now, we've talked about this a bunch, too, with, with the addition of Derek Watt. How much power are they going to run versus how much zone do they, they run like they normally do? They're going to be able to do both. And I think it, probably the most underrated part of this is having Roethlisberger at the line, unlike Mason Rudolph or, or Devlin Hodges, all due respect to them, he knows the game inside and out. He knows what a defense is doing. 
he's a, he has the freedom to change stuff up and to do things based on what he's looking at. I really don't think they gave Rudolph or Hodges that, that type of freedom last year. This gives them more spontaneity. It's going to create more advantageous situations. And in the end, it's going to create more explosive plays. You're going to see that in the running game. You know, keep in mind, hauling off a 20-yard run is not on the running back entirely. It's the entire offense. There are a lot of things that need to happen to get a running back the space to be able to get 20 yards. They couldn't do that to save their lives last year. And this time around, you have a quarterback that's going to be able to adjust and change uh, their blocking scheme, change the direction of a run, change it from a run to a, or from a pass to a run. He knows those things. He's able to see them. That's going to benefit the run game just in chunk plays more than anything. I mean, just you know, think of it in in terms of average. You look at them and they were miserable on the ground last season. But if you add, and this is kind of a you know a, a stretch to say that it's possible, if you added one twenty plus yard run a game in that offense, they have one of the better running games in the league. So it, it really is tight and competitive uh, statistically to rank higher, but it comes down to the one's ability to have those explosive plays. And you take those out, those are the teams that sit at the bottom, guys that, that can't run for 20, even 25, 30 yards. Um, Ben's ability creates enough, I think, fear, certainly deep, with, with the deep talent and the deep speed that they'll have uh, among their receivers. It's going to be harder for safeties to sit six yards away from the line of scrimmage and just plug up whatever lane is there. They're going to have more options just because he is able to throw the ball away from the safety and kind of get into that cliche you know, chess match with an opposing defensive coordinator. If your guys are all over here, I'm going to go this way. Ben can see that better. He can read the field better, and, and he's going to have the freedom to be able to do those things. Well, as the uh, past vice president of the Cliff Staff Fan Club, I say to you the past president of the Duck Hodges uh, Fan Club, uh, thanks so much for your time. I feel like I'm in rarefied air. We'll see you next. Well, maybe, maybe we switch it over to Dobbs. Maybe maybe we give Dobbs his own fan club now. But see, but Dobbs at least can go to NASA. Okay, I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> we want to get in with Dobbs now. Dobbs is going to be the, the uh, director of the Defense Department in, in 15 years. Yeah, I mean. He's going to climb the, climb the political ladder. That's why I want to praise him now. Right? So... <laughs> I can look at him when he's like really something. Like he's he's like Dobbs, saying, "We were nice to you back in 2020." Remember when you were nobody? <laughs> you were the third string guy, and we were like beating the drum. <laughs> Jacksonville didn't even want you. We, we thought it was great that you came back. It we, was awesome. We fought hard for you to come back. <laughs> Neil, thanks. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Ron Darling was at, uh, saw Tom Seaver. I think he was at his house in California, I think. And there were 61 baseballs there. So Darling says to him, he says, what's the significance of the 61 baseballs? He goes, oh, yeah, those are my shutouts. Okay. Every pitcher in the National League East hasn't even combined. There's <laughs> 61 complete games, let alone 61 shutouts. Is this baseball pitching rant part two here? <laughs> are we back no, to this? No, no, no. No, 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 no. I was praising Tom Seaver. Right. No, 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 no. That was, I, that was in... Because I'm all praise. for it. That was great. No, no, no. I'm all, I'm in total <laughs> praise. To, no, just just how remarkable his career was. That that's all I meant by that. 
Like you'd sit back and go, "Wow, sixty-one shutouts." No, you're right about that. Yeah, I mean that's that's remarkable. I don't even think there've been sixty-one shutouts in the majors this year total. I mean, well, they're not as many games, but wow. So the uh, Phillies are going to take on the Marlins in a seven-game series that begins Thursday. <laughs> Unprecedented there. Yeah, something else. But it's at least wow. going to break, make or break both team seasons, really, with the way the NL East is right now. Bills two games back and again to the doubleheader with the your Bo Sox this afternoon. Two steps closer. <laughs> I don't know. Vinny V's on the hill for one of these games. We'll see. Yeah, but re- yeah, but remember, all the second place teams make it, and right. two of the three and two of the three third place teams make it. Okay, it's the way it is in this particular year. More than half the teams make the playoffs. Sixteen out of thirty. Uh, Peter King had a chance to talk with Al Michaels, so I'm going to give you a couple quotes out of that conversation in a few moments. Al is 75 now. 75. You couldn't tell in a million years if he was 45. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, uh, great to have you with us. Brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. They'll get you the best policy and make sure you save money in any way they can, including maybe bundles. They work hard at this. They are great people. That's number one. Who also happen to be great professionals. Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Summary. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online, sunburymotors.com. We'll get back to the Big Ten in a moment. Uh, Peter King's weekly column, as always, rich with nuggets, including the marking of what would have been the 50th anniversary of the uh, passing of the great Vince Lombardi. And he had some great Lombardiisms. In his column this week, great stuff. You know, and I look. I grew up, and in the '60s, as did Peter. And uh, he said, "Reader Kevin Diggin of New Milford, New Milford, New Jersey, wrote to suggest perhaps in the category of factoids you could pay tribute to the anniversary in his contributions to the NFL in America. Great idea." So here's what Peter wrote, Peter King, about Lombardi. 100 victories, won at least 70% of his games. 
Okay, only he and John Madden have done that. Lombardi had a 750 winning percentage. Better than anybody, including the playoffs. And he, by the way, in the playoffs, he was 9 and 1, by the way. Lost his first one to the Eagles in the NFL championship game in 60. Never lost a playoff game after that. We talk about Don Shula winning his coach of all time in the history of the NFL, 667. George Hallis, 682. Bill Belichick, 686. Lombardi, 750. Packers were 110 and 1 in 58. Okay, in the 10 previous seasons until Lombardi got there, they won a league low 10 of uh, 34 games. He only averaged 3.4 wins a season for 10 years. Here's a great one for you. Uh, Peter doesn't have this in here. Is it in here? You have to look. No, it's not in here. But I'll give it to you. Lombardi's first season in Green Bay he was 7 to 5. His one season in Washington, he was 7 5 and 2. And Washington had done nothing until he got there. Lombardi's first head coaching job at St. Cecilia in Englewood, New Jersey, 1943. That year, St. Cecilia won the fictional national championship going 12-0, beating one of the best teams in the country, Brooklyn Prep, quarterbacked by a feisty city kid by the name of Joe Paterno. One of the seven blocks of granite, well, this block was 5'8", 188 pounds as the starting right guard for Fordham. When Lombardi took over the Packers in 1959, there was one black player on the team. When Lombardi left in 1967, they had 13 of them. Lionel Aldridge uh, had an interracial marriage. And he was worried about this in the 60s. And Lombardi said, don't you ever worry about it. Ever. Then he goes to Washington. Tight end Jerry Smith was, a, as Peter writes, a closeted gay man. Lombardi knew. He called Smith into his office one day and said being gay would have no bearing on his status on the team, and if anyone on the team gave Smith problems, he wanted to know. In fact, he told whomever the assistant was, he said, I see you treat him any differently, you're gone. Lombardi told him that. That season, Smith had his only first-team All-Pro season of his career. And not only that, people don't realize, Jerry Smith, this is 19, what, 70? 1969? 69, right? Yeah, 1969. Okay, Jerry Smith was also serving in the National Guard, and there was a lot of problems in the streets of Washington that year. So he'd be in the National Guard, and then he'd, he'd somehow squeeze in a practice here or there and then play the game. When Lombardi stepped down as the Packers coach in 67, after the 67 season, his father told him, quote, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Okay, what's named after him? Well, first of all, there's that famous rest stop on the New Jersey Turnpike. Two New Jersey high school football fields, a Green Bay Middle School, which I've seen, a Brooklyn Elementary School, a public square, 
in uh, Sheepshead Bay, uh, Brooklyn. Seen that. Also one in Milwaukee and also D.C. There are cancer hospitals named after him. The Super Bowl trophy is named after him. A first-class potion stamp. He's in the pro football, semi-pro football, Wisconsin, Fordham, and New Jersey Halls of Fame. All right. Vince Lombardi. You still like the the 61 shutouts by Tom Seaver, don't you? I do. All right. Now, very quickly, Al Michaels. Al Michaels is 75 years old. You would never know it in a million years. I mean, you'd sit back and go, oh, yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I've seen Al for a long time. But you may not know he's 75. So you're going to see sometimes this year where Mike Tirico is doing the game. But that doesn't mean Al loves it any less. Uh, He's got a couple of interesting quotes in here, and this is stuff that, under the category of, wow, I can relate to this, that's probably why I'm going to mention this. Um. There are some people who see him take a game or two off this year because they have a 19-game schedule between Thursday night and um, uh, between Thursday night and um, Sunday night football, and That's going to be uh, that. So Mike Tarico will do a couple of those games in there. And I think he's going to do the first two weeks of the season. And I think week three it's Tarico. Yeah, it's actually going to be three games. I saw this earlier. Yeah. It's going to be three games for Tarico, and what what's going to be called quote bye weeks for Al Michaels. Right. Uh, so, and, and Michael says he's been involved, in, and Mike is a terrific announcer and personally I personally really I've only met Al Michaels one time it was a long long time ago Mike Tarico I've talked to many times over the years and I, uh, I have nothing but the highest respect for Mike's work and he's terrific at everything he does uh, so here is um, one of the guys this is Michaels one of the guys I've idolized was Vin Scully Vinny and I talked a little bit about it. Vinny worked till he was 88 years old. That's not going to be me. Trust me. But Vinny was doing the Dodgers. He'd been there for 67 years, and he talked about cutting back and how refreshed he felt. I love what I do too much. I don't want to step away. All right? So Michaels loves what he does too much. He doesn't want to step away. Whatever chronological age I am, in my brain, I'm 22. I've got a bunch of rascal in me, as you know. I just love sports. Watching these NBA playoffs now, they're great. One guy I idolized growing up. See, and this when people ask me about what my early influence was, Kurt Gowdy. Same thing with Al Michaels, Kurt Gowdy. Now, Kurt Gowdy was this is the influence he had with me. I'd watch football. He was doing football. Then all of a sudden, I'd be watching Major League Baseball, and he was doing baseball. And then NBC had the rights to the Final Four, and there was Kirk Gowdy doing the Final Four. I thought, man, the guy would do everything. That always that always stuck with me. 
One guy I idolized growing up was Kurt Gowdy. I got a chance to work with him, and Kurt told me, okay, now listen to this. You're going to, you're going to do great. Don't get jaded. I see and hear people moaning about their jobs in this business. I do, too. And I think, really? This is one of the greatest jobs in the history of mankind. That's exactly how I felt about this for years. Exactly, verbatim. I've heard people in this business, why moan and complain about something? And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? This job is the greatest thing going. So, there. I concur. The greatest thing going? I mean, I actually will hear guys in this business. They'll complain. I'll sit there and go, really? You're complaining about this? Man, it's 18 degrees out, and that dude's over there trying to somehow feed his family digging a ditch. <laughs> okay? You get to watch a game, and they give you cash. It's good. Life's good. That's why when somebody said to me, you said, well, during all this, you know, you missed a baseball season now, you know, with the football thing. Probably gives you a greater appreciation. I said, no. I said, I already appreciated every second of it to begin with. <laughs> That's not the issue with me, ever. Okay, so... um I think at some point, as I mentioned earlier in the show, and I link this to, obviously, the minor league thing, but it's a different, you know, even though they're different sports, at some point, Major League Baseball is going to have to let people know, hey, um, what are we going to do here? This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, this, and this. You're a part of it. You want to be a Dream League team? Okay. You want to be an independent team? Whatever. Or you want to have no team? It's up to you. But people should know what they're doing so they can plan on what to do. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to this. Um, is that they've got to let at some point people know what are they, what are they working toward? Are they working toward January? Are they working toward Thanksgiving weekend? Are they working toward October? What are they working toward? Again, coming up with medical protocols is not this person's um, expertise. Uh, coming up with testing and what the options are, not this person's expertise, me. Okay? So the people that are putting this together are working so hard to do it. But at some point, there needs to be a press conference of some kind by the commissioner to update everybody on where it is. Even if they don't have it yet, just say, look, we don't have it yet. We're, we're getting really close. And keep keeping people in the dark. All you have now are rumors, rampant speculation, anonymous sources, At some point, you know, if you care so much about the student-athlete, 
which obviously putting medical protocols together and testing is caring deeply about the student-athlete. But there's another element of the student-athlete you need to take care of as well, and that's the mental health of the student-athlete. That's also critical to this. So while you're doing a the difficult job, and you have a committee to do this, obviously, of looking into medical protocols because you have the student-athlete's interest at heart, and you're looking to get an accurate, rapid, cost-effective test, which is also in the student-athlete's best interest. But there's one other element that's in the best interest of the student-athlete. That's their mental health. You need to tell them here in short order where things stand. That's the commissioner's job to do that. That, hey, look, we're working toward it. We're getting close. We don't have it finalized yet, but, look, we're getting there. We hope to have an answer for you. I don't know. Pick a t- I'm just out of the blue. Let's pick a time frame just to be simple here. Week to 10 days. Even if it's that, even if it's that, you just can't let everybody sit in the dark like this. You can't let all these student athletes sit in the dark. Okay? Working toward better protocols is absolutely in the interest of the student athlete, and they're working hard. Coming up with accurate, rapid, cost-efficient testing, absolutely in the student's be- student-athlete's best at- interest. But mental health is also in the student-athlete's best interest, and right now the conference isn't serving that. They need to let them know what is going on and what they're working toward. Just my opinion. I just think... That part can't be left out. Because the players are aching to know what's going on. Coaches are obviously know. The fans obviously want to. All right? They all want to know that. So at least give them an idea where things might stand now. And then the next time out. Tell everybody what the deal is, okay? <sighs> leaving them in the dark. I'm talking about the student athletes. Leaving them in the dark about what's going on isn't helping them at all. One iota. They've already suffered enough blows as it is during the course of this year. So the protocols. In the student athlete's best interest, Sandy, Barry, and those guys working so hard on that deserve a lot of credit. Finding testing that's quick, cost effective, but above all, accurate, also in the student athlete's absolute best interest. They're working hard at that. But let's not leave the mental health part out of it. You've got to let them know what is going on. And in the process, I mean, the public, too. The public wants to know, but the student-athlete needs to know. They just can't be just going out there just, okay, let's just keep going. You know, what are they working toward? What's the goal here? What are the options? All right, back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
When other dealers can't get what you want, Sunbury Motors Hyundai is going strong. While others are leaving you in the cold, the deals at Sunbury Motors Hyundai are heating up with a sizzling start to September. Sunbury Motors Hyundai is committed to selling 20 new Hyundais by September 14th. Just listen to these deals. 2020 Hyundai Elantras starting at only $17.5. 2020 Konas as low as $21,642. 2020 Tucson's from just $22,500. The deals are hotter than the inside of your mask. And SMC has the vehicles you want in stock now. Remember, all new Hyundais come with America's best warranty, 10 years, 100,000 mile powertrain, and 5 years, 60,000 mile base warranty. See why we say, if you want to have a fun day, you have to drive a Hyundai. They're doing whatever it takes to sell 20 new Hyundais by the 14th during the sizzling start to September. Sunbury Motors Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Sunbury All right, um, Mike DeWine's the governor of Ohio. The story was written by Dave Biddle. Uh, DeWine is a longtime season ticket holder for Ohio State football games. He was asked at his Tuesday news briefing if he believes the Big Ten is doing the right thing. DeWine was also asked if he thinks there's still a chance the conference will reverse its decision and have a season that could begin as early as October. Right. So DeWine said this, well, I don't know whether they made the right call or not, but I certainly think there's a decent chance of there being a season in football for the Big Ten for Ohio State, which is what we're really concerned about. I talked to Gene Smith about the issue earlier today. I'm not going to disclose our conversation other than I inquired about it. He told me it's still in play. It's still very much a possibility. Okay. It's a general statement. Wasn't very wasn't specific, but it was in general. Okay. Some point though, you gotta. Like I said it's one thing. You know, obviously, people listening to the show are absolutely curious about it. No question about that. Passionate about it, but I'm thinking about the players. I mean, they're out there. I mean, they're practicing again today. Look, once again, it's you know I, I keep going back to yes, testing protocols critical. That's in the best interest of the student athlete. Testing accurate, fast, cost efficient, best interest of the student athlete. But what the commissioner needs to understand is that the mental health of student-athletes is important, too. They need to address that by at least letting them know what are the options and what are you working toward here. I mean, it's been, a, it's been four weeks now. Today's show has been brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com.